Welcome back to the Gold News Channel. My name is Kerry Stevenson. And today, ladies and gentlemen, very special guest, Mr. Rick Rule, formerly with Sprott Asset Management. Now, he is independent, Rule Investment Media. Rick Rule rules. He is an investor, a speculator. Many of you will know him, especially as I actually had him come out, or he came out, uh, to our Gold Conference in Sydney all those years ago. I brought him on today because I've been getting some questions from people about what's going on with the gold price, a bit of malaise in the gold market. I thought, who better to give his view to all of us and help us through this time than Mr. Rick Rule? Rick, welcome to the Gold News Channel. Great to see you. Thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Kerry. Thank you for having me. Now, Rick, uh, over the years, you have been very bullish on gold and on silver. Right now, there seems to be a bit of malaise in the market. The price is about 1750 US, which is if you look back, very good. But people seem to be disinterested. And here in Australia, a lot of the ASX gold mining stocks are meandering along, but not shooting the lights out. What do you put this down to? And do you see us in a bull market or do you see us as in a boring market? So many things there, Kerry. Let's unpack them. Let's unpack them one at a time. People have been saying to me, too, uh, this malaise, is this a sign of the end of a bull market? No one can know for sure. One has to deal with probabilities, which is what we'll do for the rest of this interview. But if we look back at history, I've been involved in two prior bull markets in my career, Kerry. The first one beginning in 1970 and going till 1981, 11 years. The second one beginning in 2000 and ending in 2011, coincidentally 11 years. People say to me, has gold topped out after four years? Mm. I would argue with you that the set of circumstances which are in place, and we'll talk about those later, suggest that this bull market will be at least of the same duration as the two prior bull markets that I've enjoyed, which is to say that we are perhaps four years through a 10-year bull market. Okay. Dimension too, carry. People say, well, the gold price has gone from 1,000 US to 1,800 US. Is that too much? In my first bull market, the price went from an admittedly price controlled 35 US dollars an ounce to $850 an ounce. What a 24 fold increase. The second one was much more muted 256 US dollars an ounce to $1,900 an ounce, only a six fold increase. So when people say, has gold run its course after a move from 1,000 to 1,800, I have to say, not if you pay any attention to historical duration and dimension. But let's move on uh, as to why. That's just viewing history. It doesn't talk about today's circumstances. In my life, precious metals prices have done well when savers and investors are concerned about the purchasing power of their savings in conventionally denominated instruments. In other words, when people are nervous about bank deposits, government bonds, things like that, gold does well. And we need to ask ourselves, do people have a reason to be concerned? And I would answer, yes. What concerns me? What propels me to buy gold? Well, the first is quantitative easing. Hmm. You and I have discussed this before. If you and I did it, it would be called counterfeiting and we would be put in prison. But if we were members of parliament, this would be policy and we would be extremely popular. But you can't deny, no one can deny, uh, even your prime minister can't deny that the printing of specious currency units is counterfeiting. 
uh, yeah. if counterfeiting doesn't make you nervous about the efficacy of the currency, then you're, frankly, you're illiterate. Uh, debt and deficits uh, are scarier yet. I don't know the applicable Australian numbers, but in the United States, just at the federal level, uh, we owe $29 trillion. For your viewers that have never thought about that, that's 12 zeros before the 29. It's a big, big, big number. Mm. More concerning are the net present value of off-balance sheet liabilities, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, the various trust funds. The net present value, not the ultimate payout, but the net present value of those obligations, according to the Congressional Budget Office, exceeds $120 trillion. Oh, my goodness. Really? So, yeah, <clears throat> the, the wow. world's allegedly premier economy is $150 trillion upside down. We service this debt with the national income. That's taxes and fees, less expenses. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the national income is also upside down about $4 trillion a year. It's very difficult to reduce a deficit when you're adding to it at the rate of $4 trillion a year, which again uh, would cause, I think, any literate person to be concerned about the efficacy of their savings, particularly in US dollars. <laughs> US, by the way, ironically, is in better shape than most countries, which is really, truly scary. But the third thing, uh, the most pernicious, uh, is negative real interest rates. Mm -hmm. Imagine, Carrie, a circumstance where you went down the street to lend somebody some money and they charged you for the purpose of lending to them. You forego consumption now in favor of for, for consumption four years from now. You take the credit risk that the guy down the street is a bum and won't pay you back and you pay him for the privilege. This is not a force of nature. This is a construct of man. This is a construct of stupidity. The value proposition around the US 10-year treasury, the world's benchmark saving instrument, mm -hmm. is that the US government promises to pay you 125 basis points, 1.25% a year for five for 10 years, pardon me, yep. in a currency that the US government says is depreciating in value by 5.5% a year. In other words, they promise to reduce your spending power by 4% a year compounded over 10 years. In other words, they're going to give wow. you back about a third of the purchasing power then that you give them now. This is truly insane. If somebody is concerned, if somebody had reason to be concerned about the efficacy of their purchasing power, a government guarantee that they're going to take it uh, is what, <laughs> about what, as valid a concern. Why are people falling for that then? If they do, I mean, that's basic maths 101. I mean, I'm not a brilliant mathematician. But even I can work that one out. <laughs> I've, had two, I've had two explanations from clients. Uh, one in the United States was the teaching of new math away from the common core was designed to make people dumb enough that they would accept this current set of circumstances. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case. The other is that uh, maybe it has something to do with the legalization of marijuana. Uh, <laughs> that the increased consumption of America's greatest cash crop has been such, such that people aren't concerned about negative real interest rates. The, the biggest reason, Carrie, though, that I'm bullish about precious metals is their market share. Nobody cares. The combined value of precious metals and precious metals assets in the United States represents one half of 1% of all savings and investment assets in the United States. 
one half of one, one half of one percent. The three decade mean is between one and a half and two percent. So if quantitative easing, debt and deficits, and yep. negative real interest rates, they don't have to preside over the demise of the dollar. They don't have to win the war. They just have to lose it less badly. All they have to do is revert to mean and demand for those assets triples. And that's precisely what I think happens over the next five years. People talked a few months ago about the silver squeeze. You mm. know, these young yep. investors new to the silver market, buying it on their cell phones and stuff. And they actually had an impact on silver supply. It surprised me that it happened. But that, that squeeze is nothing like demand for these assets tripling. And the only ask for these assets tripling is reversion to mean, reversion to a three-decade mean. So I believe that all of the reasons are in place, arithmetically, quantitative easing, debt and deficits, and negative real interest rates. And my expectations are extremely low. Uh, I'm not looking for a wholesale move uh, out of a currency that costs you 4% a year to hold it. I'm not asking for that. All I'm asking for is reversion to mean, which I think I'll enjoy. If I believe that the gold and silver prices are going to go up, then I have to believe that the companies that produce gold and silver uh, will deliver a leveraged benefit because their profit margins likely will go up faster than gold and silver will. And these companies, based on traditional valuation metrics, which is to say the net present value, the discounted net present value today of their future cash flows from existing proved reserves and resources, using the forward strip, not some fantasy gold price, that net present value today relative to enterprise value makes them the cheapest that they have been in my career. So the idea that I get to buy an asset that I love at a discount is wonderful. When I <laughs> when I think about this and I'm perplexed by it, I just look back at other bull markets that I've enjoyed in my life. And they all happened with the same set of circumstances. But you've it's, always you've always been a contrarian investor, haven't you, Rick? That's where well, you have made I mean, it, a good amount I, of money over the years because most people follow the herd. It's a psychological thing. And everyone, you know, they, they go in at the top. And what you're saying is, well, no one else is looking. Well, no one else cares about gold and silver. It's a brilliant time to get involved. Because the metrics are changed. If I may, uh, let me leave you with a little parable that I think might explain it. Um, in my old office, we were located in a typical Southern California strip shopping center, you know, and on the north oh, yeah. end of the center, there was a supermarket. And on the south end of the center, there was our office with a bunch of little businesses in between. And I used to tell an apocryphal tale of a traditional American couple husband and wife coming into the center. And I'm not trying to be sexist here, but these were yeah. a traditional couple. And so she would go to the grocery store to look after the family's needs for the week while he would come to the stock brokerage to try and increase the family's fortune. And um, <laughs> I've got a mental picture now, yeah. <laughs> one particular day this occurred uh, and she went to the um, supermarket and she saw a, 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 a brand of canned tuna which her family enjoyed, you know, they liked tuna casserole and sandwiches and stuff. And it was $2 a can, which she thought was an appropriate price. And so she bought six cans of tuna or something like that. 
the husband came to the stock brokerage firm and there was a, a mining share uh, for $2 a share. And he'd heard of the company and he'd heard of the people behind it and everything. And he thought that was appropriate price. So he bought a thousand shares and they both went home relatively happy with their you know, purchases. Uh, two weeks later, they come back and the wife goes to the store and that same can of tuna is now $4 a can. And she is angry. I mean, she is angry. She gives the store manager a piece of her mind about uh, gouging consumers. She stomps around and eventually she substitutes chicken for tuna, goes home in a foul mood. The husband, meanwhile, and there's no change in the tuna, right? It's not a bigger can or anything like that. The husband, meanwhile, husband comes into the brokerage firm and he sees that his $2 share is now $4 a share. Nothing has changed. Just the price is up, doubled. He's elated. He buys another thousand shares. Price is going up. That's what you should do. They go home. It's different this time. The husband is elated and the wife is furious. Two weeks later, they come back. She goes into the store and they got cans of tuna fish to the ceiling. Nobody would buy this $4 tuna fish. So now it's marked down a dollar a can, which is an unbelievable bargain. The wife buys so much tuna fish that the boot <laughs> of the car is weighed down. You know, the front is up like this. The husband uh, has a different experience. He comes into the brokerage firm and that $4 share is now a dollar. And in frustration, he sells his whole holding. My suggestion is that investors think about mining shares as though they were cans of tuna fish. Uh, ah. If the utility stays the same, lower prices are better than high prices. Uh, buying goods on sale means that we all eat better for less. I love that story. I love that analogy. And it's so true, isn't it? Because the psychology of people is exactly how he behaved in selling all his shares. And what you've Correct. done over the years, Rick, is you've done what the lady buying the tuna has done. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. So in, in, uh, I'd like to leave our listeners today with, so, so your, your belief is that we are four years into a 10-year bull market, that people should not be worried. And in fact, that they should be looking for the opportunities during this time. Uh, you do cover the Australian market a bit. Have you got some ones, anything you'd like to share with us about the Aussie market, apart from the fact that they are hemorrhaging cash? I, I think the mid cap and large cap producers in Australia in particular are cheap. Uh, do they have names? I mean, sure. Evolution, Northern Star, um, all the way up to Newcrest. I mean, Newcrest, you know, they're spending a lot of their cash uh, up in New Guinea, but uh, I think it's probably money well spent. I would enter a note of caution with regards to the new crop of penny dreadfuls. Uh, you know, the Australian dealer community seems to be minting 10 new 20 cent issues uh, every week. Uh, and they certainly aren't all going to succeed. You're in a market right now where a coalition of butchers and bakers and candlestick makers uh, can option some piece of property that nobody's ever failed on before and raise $10 million to salary. That's not the part of the market I'm talking about. I'm talking about the legitimate Australian producers that are piling up so much cash on the balance sheet that they're gonna to have to increase their dividend and engage in share buybacks and are likely to engage in mergers and acquisitions too. 
I think uh, I think when when looking at a portfolio, we've spoken about this before, Rick. It's look at the management, ha- <clears throat> have some exposure to what you call the <clears throat> excuse me the penny dreadfuls, uh, my beautiful clients out there, um, but also to have some in the mid cap and and to have some uh, in explorer, uh, sorry, in producers. So is to have that spread. And certainly I don't mean to condemn all of the penny dreadfuls based on the new crop of initial public offerings. There's plenty of Australian juniors, um, you know, Adriatic, Centaurus uh, that come to mind immediately. But what I'm saying is don't let the fact that you've made, you know, 400% on Centaurus uh, convince you that, uh, you know, every new West, West, Perth, West Perth float is going to work. Absolutely. They won't. We're in silly season with new issues there. Yeah. Uh, look for existing people that have already been successful and are caught in the same malaise that the seniors are. So what would you, when, when looking at these, is management important to you? Uh, to me, management's critically important. It isn't critically important merely that they've been successful, but I want them to be, have been successful at a task at hand. <clears throat> you, you know, I, I want them to have appropriate success. Yeah. As an example, if, you know, if somebody has been successful in Archean terrain in Western Australia, that success doesn't necessarily equip them to explore in tertiary volcanics in Papua New Guinea or Peru. I, I want the success to be pretty directly uh, related to the task at hand. And, and Carrie, I really want uh, managers who own a lot of stock. I want the market value yeah. of their stock to be sort of five times their compensation level. Yep. In other words, I want to be in business with partners, not employees. And I think that's a very good point. Any last comments before we finish up? Because it's been fantastic to have some of your time today in this very unusual time in gold and silver markets. Well, certainly to the extent that uh, anybody on your gold stock file uh, wants to reach me, I always have my rankings offer, if that's appropriate. Oh, of course. <clears throat> any, any, any of your listeners who care, uh, not what I have to say about gold stocks in general, but, but rather their stocks yeah. can find out. Go to a website, uh, pardon me, wrong website, <laughs> ruleinvestmentmedia.com, Rule Investment enter your natural resource stocks on that site. I will rank them one to 10. Uh, I will include, if you mention charts in the question line, the Barron's Gold Mining Index, which is the best index that I know to look at the anatomy of a gold bull market. And I'll also include a hundred year chart that talks about just how cheap major industrial commodities are relative to other financial asset classes going back a hundred years. And ladies and gentlemen, he said resource stocks. Don't put in your <laughs> cannabis stocks. Don't put in your techs. It's resource stocks. So you can go outside gold and silver, but just remember, rural investment media is about resource stocks, not all those other ones that Rick's really not interested in. So um, please don't waste his time with those other ones that you're invested in if you are. Uh, Rick, final, final word goes to you before we sign off. Well, simply that if you are attracted to the arithmetic around precious metals and precious metals equities, you need to view the current malaise as an opportunity. I'm not suggesting that people go all in because I'm not suggesting that people go all in in anything. But I believe in increasing precious metals prices and hence increasing precious metals equities prices 
are a strong probability, not a possibility. Is it going to happen three months from now or six months from now? I don't know. But I actually consider it to be inevitable, if not imminent. I love questions where the answer begins with when. And I think with regards to precious metals and precious metals equities, that I'm being asked just such a question. When, not if. Yeah. So when, not if. Uh, Rick Rule of Rule Investment Media, thank you for the offer to our listeners today. And in the words of somebody that we all know quite well, is be greedy when others are fearful. And right now, there's a lot of fear in the market. And that is the time when not fortunes can be made, but you can set yourself up very nicely. Rick, we really appreciate your time today with the Gold News Channel. I wish you all the best with Rural Investment Media. Go and check him out, ruralinvestmentmedia.com, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Rick.